Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. What's going on, world? I know you guys are used to hearing the beautiful, angelic voice of Miss Lisa Fields on the podcast, but today, this is the official takeover. The Jew 3 Project podcast is being taken over by the one and only Randall Keith, and for very, very, very good reason, don't be alarmed, I promise I'm not going to be here forever. I know y'all probably like, what? I ain't listening no more. <laughs> <laughs> this is not this is not gonna go down like that um you will definitely hear from lisa again but today we are i'm taking over the podcast for reasons of getting to know lisa fields and getting really and truly at the heart of the jew three project um i think it's important lisa and i've been talking and kind of chatted up and we think it's really important for everybody to get a better understanding of who she is and and ultimately understand why she has a heart for Jude 3 and where the heart and the passion comes for Jude 3. Um, I think that it, it really is, this is a great way for people to know more than just what she's doing on the on the forefront um, in the day and age where we are always trying to connect to people better. You can follow Lisa on Twitter, you can follow her on Instagram and on Facebook, but you can also listen to this podcast to really hear right from the the woman's mouth of who she is and, and where she is. And we just really want to go through her, her, her story, and her journey. So we're going to do that here today um, and potentially in the in, in the future. We'll have a couple more things that we can talk about with Lisa. So I'm going to welcome the one and only the founder of the Jew 3 Project, Miss Lisa Fields. Thank you, Randall. I well, to your show. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a, a great introduction. I'm so humble. <laughs> Thank you. You should, you should be. You're great now. <laughs> so we know what we're here to do. We want to know what we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to be we give it to you real. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you some real questions. We might get to some questions that might be a little challenging, a little tough. Um, and I, I know that you're fully capable of doing it but what I really want people to do is understand the Lisa that I know to really understand um, the heart that you have and the heart that I know that the Jew 3 project has uh, for the body of Christ and for the pe- for God's people so when you, if you're ready let's make it happen I'm ready take it easy on me <laughs> <laughs> alright so let's just get into your foundation um, one of the things that it's important to know with, with people, if you want to know uh, where a person is going and you want to know more about their day-to-day life and their day-to-day walk, it's really good to get an understanding of their foundation and, and, and where they started from. So let's start off with that. Um, talk to us about the, the childhood, Lisa. Take us back to 19... Let's say like 1992, 93. We ain't gonna go way in the way back. <laughs> uh. Let's go back to Lisa... Um, Lisa's foundation and, and, and her family upbringing, and, and and let's talk about that. Uh, I don't even know if I remember ninety two and ninety three. I have trouble <laughs> remembering yesterday. Yesterday, <laughs> um, but um, I grew up in um, with my parents, uh, Pastor Lewis J. Fields 
Jr. and my mother, Lisa Fields. We have the same first name. We have different middle names. Um, people get confused often when it's like, who's your mom? It's like Lisa Fields. They're like, no, that's you. I'm like, no, my mom is Lisa Fields too. <laughs> I'm not a junior because we don't have the same. I don't even know if women can be juniors, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> uh, but I grew up in a Christian home uh, with my parents. I'm the oldest of three. I have two younger brothers. Um, one is um, just graduated, just finished college, um, and another is a sophomore in college. Um, my parents at in ninety two and ninety three, my dad wasn't a pastor. He started pastoring in nineteen ninety six. Um, my childhood was pretty, I guess, normal. Uh, <laughs> very family, um, family oriented uh, on Sundays still go to my grandma's house for Sunday dinner. Um, it was just very calm. And so that was my childhood in 1996. My dad started pastoring, um, pastor of the Grace National Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And my parents taught me the Bible. Um, they were very strict, um, very sheltered. Um, oh, <laughs> I think I went on my first date at 17. So I grew up in a very sheltered home, but I wasn't like the rebellious type of kid that like did. I was, I'm a very chill person. If anybody knows me, they know I'm laid back. I kind of go with the flow. If you give me a rule and say, I'm not supposed to do it. I'm probably not going to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm laid back. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still do wrong, but I'm just, I'm very chill. I'm very mellow. Don't get easily angered. You know, I'm just a very mellow introverted person so I guess that personality type worked well with being sheltered (laughs) (laughs) um and I'm not I don't talk a lot unless I know you so Mm -hmm. that's that's pretty much my the gist of how I grew up grew up in church I never wanted to be a never wanted to be in ministry so it's kind of interesting my life that you got here wow <laughs> so with that said that's a that's a really key because you you have a lot of people that say like i knew since i was three years old i started preaching um when i was like when i can learn how to talk i started preaching to people which is you know great and, and monumental but for you to say that yeah i yeah, never I never wanted to do it i just wanted to, <laughs> i wanted to be a stockbroker and move to new york and work on wall street <laughs> So, what? With that being said, um, we talked about you, you mentioned your your family and you kind of being like sheltered. Um, considering that, what types of things do you think potentially um, that was kind of like new for you when you started to get more exposed to the world um, and and understanding just a tad bit more about. Uh, the, the church world and, and the church community? Um, let me see. So I grew up in church. I, 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 I love God. When I became in college, I, I had this thing where I wanted to go to church all the time because I was like on fire for Jesus. So any friend that I met, I was trying to meet new friends um, I got involved with a group of people and they went to church all the time. It was always a service <laughs> going on. And so I, that's what, that would be literally my 
social life, I would just go to church. Like it was a revival on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was a lot. Uh, hence probably why I only go to church two times a week now. Uh, <laughs> but I went through this phase where I was going to church all the time. And part of that had to do with the person I was seeing at the time and them, um, going to be speaking at different churches. So it was, it was a, it was a lot of church and I just got exposed to a lot of different denominations, a lot of different ways of doing things. And it was all the black church setting. And, um, it was some interesting experiences. Uh, I just never expected to see. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, let's, let's get a little bit more specific um, (laughs) with, with some things that, that you may, you may have saw. Right. So, you're Lisa Fields. You you have a, a great foundation in, in church and in Christ and in love and in family and in relationship with family and being con- close to people and connected to people. We have that foundation. And so we, we move forward and we start to, you know, get out and, and venture out in the college realm. So you start to meet some people from other backgrounds. I'm assuming some backgrounds that didn't weren't exactly like yours, but you also started to get you know, some exposure to some other church con- congregations and cultural norms and settings. Um, did that affect you at all? Was, was anything that happened during that time um, with the interesting things that you saw, did it affect you? Was it like just kind of like, oh, this is this is new, this is different? Or was it just kind of like the norm of I'm used to being around church folks, so this is what it is? Um, It was... It affected me a lot. Um, it 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 was it it became a frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would see things and I'm like, well, I know this is not how my parents' church was, my dad's church was at all. And I'm just like, what, what is going on? Why are we doing this? Then when I would hear stuff that was like, I know the Bible. My parents taught me the Bible. And then I would just hear stuff and I'm like, well, this kind of doesn't add up. Like, why are we shouting? And then there was this big emphasis on like prophecy and um, and just telling people stuff. And I'm just like, well, he just told you last week that this was this is the same person that told you last week that in seven days you was going to get a miracle financially and this is the seventh day and you still broke. Um, <laughs> like, and then you invite him back for the next week and he tell you the same thing and you still give him money. Like, I just didn't understand why you were still doing that. <laughs> and it, it just, it was frustrating to me because I'm like, well, why are we doing this? If we, we obviously know this person is lying. And I was just like, well, if it, if it if God is saying this in his written word and you're saying this that God gave you this from heaven he gave you this what they would call a rhema word like why is it the two contradicting each other is God like bipolar like what what's going on <laughs> why, why is there such a disconnect between the God that I read about and the God you're speaking about and then I, I just would get to see people put their hope in that and you know when you're when you're in a hopeless situation and mm-hmm. when you fi- especially financially um and you don't have um you don't have the education or you don't have the um 
the resume to help you get to the next level financially or to to as some people would say pull yourself up by your own bootstraps you're mm-hmm. more susceptible to hearing some quick fix right and i just got frustrated with people's people being taken advantage of and it seemed like in some instances pyramid a pyramid scheme Mm-hmm. <laughs> one person is benefiting and the other people are not are not um and then people are putting their hope in something and then it becomes a disappointment with God cuz it's like you said God said and then it's like what what happens when in my 7 days come and nothing happens like what, what, what is God a liar and it's like right. no God is not a liar the person that's saying this obviously is a liar so I don't want to diminish prophecy at, at, at all, you know, it's potentially a gift of the spirit, but if it's not used correctly, it could be really a tool of manipulation um, mm-hmm. um, in the lives of people. So I believe that God uses it, but I believe that many people have manipulated it. So just because somebody has manipulated it doesn't mean that there's not true that God is really using it in certain people. But I think you just have to be consistent about what's showing up in the Bible and what's coming out your mouth. So with that, um, with 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 being able to see that, so you get to this place and you're kind of exposed to all of this stuff and it impacts you and it looks a little weird. Um, do were you ever shaken at all? Was was your was your faith ever shaken? Was did you ever question? The legitimacy of 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 anything that was happening of either the people or either God or the word of God or you know just your life and what you had had been through. So it's very funny because simultaneously, as I'm going through this experience, right, I have this experience over here where I'm going to all these different churches and I'm you know having these experiences and making all these observations. Simultaneously, I get um, I start to like Christian hip hop. So I'm introduced to Lecrae. I'm introduced to Flame. And they have deep, rich uh, lyrics. And they talk about theology. They talk about Bible scholars. And um, Flame had a song on his Rewind CD um, that really made me want to dig deeper into the word. Because I was like, I grew up in church. And, you know, you grew up in church. Your parents, you go with your parents. But my faith hadn't really became my own yet. Um, I was going to church with my friends. You know, at the same time, just going, you know, as something to do to make sure I'm in the right place. Because it's like, I don't want to hang out with my friends that don't really go to church because they go in a club. So right. I might go to <laughs> So sim- simultaneously, I'm having another experience where I'm listening to Christian hip hop and um, I, I get want to get deeper in the work. So I'm in at, at UNF. I take a religion course. In the course, it was New Testament. My professor first day says, I'm going to change everything you know about Jesus. And I was like, oh, so this is not Sunday school. Because I was like, man, <laughs> Sunday school. <laughs> I went to Sunday school all my life. I got an A in Sunday school. I can, I can do this. This is going to be an A. I'm going to learn more. I'm going to get an A add to my GPA. It's going to be good. And uh, it was nothing like Sunday school. We got a challenge on textual criticism. Like, where did the Bible come from? And I never ever question where the Bible came from. Mm -hmm. It's so funny because as a child, I always always wrestled when I was young, I guess because I was just like, when they was like, right, it's time to take offering. Give, We're giving that to the Lord. And I was like, how do they get the money to God? 
Is it? Do they take it? No, that's a real question. I used to think the same thing. Do you remember the movie um, uh, Hercules and how they used to take it and get put the the money on there and Zeus would like rapture it up? That's what I thought happened. <laughs> we were there together. See, yeah, I was like, so that we give it an offering and then they go back and is does God come and get it? How do they get the money to God? And that was one of those uh, kids back in. My, I was just like. Why are we getting this to God? Like, but I never really after that point of the money going to God. At, and once I got a little bit older, like high school, the middle school, I never questioned like the validity of Scripture. I just kind of took it at face value, and I was never forced to. And but in college, I was forced to, and so I'm like, it's funny because I'm like, got all these experiences going on. So I'm going to church, and then I became very, very frustrate when at the the different experience at the different church frustrated me so and then I was like I like and then I'm having this experience where I'm being challenged and I'm like I don't know the answers to the questions my professor's asking me and um I was just like you know kind of confused and then I started really questioning my faith and whether God exists and I'm like well if you exist why am I seeing this in scripture what what does it seem to be um some uh historical things that are in conflict with what you wrote in your word like Mm -hmm. what is when was this like so if they wrote this after like years after how do they have all the facts right you know are you really real you know are you the only way you know when I look at other stories and the flood and you know other stories and the epic of Gilgamesh and all of these other things so I'm con- I'm just processing all this information and then I got the hyper spiritual stuff over here I got the intellectual stuff over here and I'm going through it at the same time. And it sounds like crazy even now talking about it because I didn't even realize even until now as I'm saying it that both of these were going on at the same time. I kind of sectioned them off in my mind, but I'm like, no, these were happening at the exact same time. And um, it was just like, I was just, I was really wrestling. And then I became angry. I was like, man, the black church ain't teaching nothing. Um, thank God for my parents. Cause my parent, my, my dad pastors an all black church and he always, for as long as I can remember, was always sticking to the scriptures, always taught the Bible. It wasn't anything crazy going on. So at least I had that foundation as I pushed out to help kind of balance me. And so then my dad introduced me to Ravi Zachariah, who is one of my favorite Um, teachers ever and he was an apologist Mm -hmm. and through his ministry and teachers I got exposed to other scholars and he helped me walk through that process at from at school um the other process though uh the hyper spirituality uh, (laughs) I had to walk through that a different way that came like I said from the person I was seeing and sometimes when you're as many women that may listening know when you when you're seeing someone that you really like sometimes your logic goes out the window and so you're just blindly following people (laughs) so (laughs) the 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 way I was able to get out of that hyper spirituality was to kind of be for God to kind of sever that relationship but um it's just interesting those two experiences 
So did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah. So 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 we did, but I, I kind of want to rewind back just to go to like some specifics, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that getting in this space where for a lot of people, um, I think yours was yours was unique in the sense that you have you hadn't experienced a lot of other church <clears throat> kind of cultures and and a lot a number of people have experienced you know going from this church to that church or being around this group of people and it questions them a lot it they, it kind of shocks them particularly that college experience i think that college experience or kind of even if you haven't gone to college it is that young adult uh that young adult period where you question everything else in your life but you never question this. Um, you never question your, your your religion. You never question your faith and your belief system, right? Because for so many people within the black church, we're taught that you can't question God. Um, I specifically remember hearing it uh, from a number of people when I was growing up personally, you know, that you can't question God, you can't question God. And so when you got to that place that you had questions, specifically, give us just talk about maybe a couple specifics of specific questions that you had and how did you go about addressing those or if if you addressed them at all if anybody addressed it with you like what did that look like um let me see so the when i first started questioning the the authority of scripture was when i was reading the book our textbook by bart ehrman and we were looking at the dates that the Bible, the the New Testament was written. And I really struggled with, um, with how, you know, people could recall that information. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you think, you think about just your, because you always put yourself in it. Like when you right. told me, tell me what happened in 1993. And I'm like, I don't even know what happened yesterday. (laughs) All the way. So you're telling me that this man took, wrote a book that, and wrote the accounts, especially the Gospels, and wrote them down um, years after the events and remembered this much detail. And then another person did it too. Like, it just seems... It seems far-fetched, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the, the Bible said the Holy Spirit inspired men to write. Um, and so, it's just like, and then you look at them and you, like, you look at them all together. And then you're like, well, you know, what? why does this, you know, fact it, it, here and, you know, here, it's, it seems to be a little discrepancy, like, how many angels really were at the tomb? Like, who was at the cross? You know, why isn't it all consistent, right? Mm-hmm. And so, those were things that, you know, came to my mind. And then, you know, you're around people who are in your classes. If you've ever started to question your faith in an environment where people aren't experiencing the same experience as you, it's very difficult. Yes. Especially when they're like... You know, I'm hanging with the hyper spiritual crowd, so they in the clouds. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and you like, you on Earth, like, uh, but yo, have y'all ever thought about this critically? And everybody <laughs> like, you know, don't worry about it. You know, God, God is he. You know, don't worry about it. God is who He say He is. And you like, 
but how do we know do, what he yeah. said? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you go, I, I really, 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 really wrestled. And I remember I would come home and cry and I didn't want, I didn't want to talk about it with anyone because I felt like, because you're not in this experience with me, you can't identify with me. Right. Um, so I would read, um, and then I just became very, very, I think, I think I went through like a little mini depression. Cause I was like, too, I, I really have these questions. And what happens when your faith is questioned too, it's like life is hard. And the yeah. only thing that holds me up and the only hope I have is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And if you take this book from me, what do I have? Like, where am I going to go? Like, what 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 religion am I going to turn to? I have to have some kind of hope at the end of the day that helps me get past the rough realities of life. And if it's not the Bible, what is it? Right. And so I was sitting in my room one day crying. I looked at my Bible and it fell on when Jesus looked at when Jesus said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Peter says. I mean, and uh, the a group of dis- people that were following Jesus left, um, and and Jesus looked at Peter and said, "Will you also go?" And Peter said, "Where can I go? You have the words of eternal life." And from that moment, something in that moment, I remembered that moment like it was yesterday. Me sitting in my bed, and I said, "God, I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why I'm questioning my faith right now." I'm reading these articles and what if you're a critical thinker, even Mm -hmm. when you have facts, you still have questions, questions. Yeah. And sometimes people think, well, I hand you these facts. I'll hand you this article and that'll erase the questions. No, I'm still. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, well, but what about this? Um, What about that? And I, I think God has designed me that way for the work he's called me to do. Um, so it's a, it's, I guess it's a blessing, but sometimes it can feel like a curse because I'm constantly questioning things. And so I was like, God, you know what? I don't know the answers, but I know that you're the person that I've relied on to get me through life from this for this point. And I'm not going to leave you now. But what I am going to do is commit myself to finding the answers and helping other people find the answers. That's amazing. And that's how I got here. So when I talk to people, I'm like, man, sometimes I still have questions. Um, so don't let the uh, the 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 Jude three title fool you and the schooling fool you. The more I learn, the more questions I have. But I don't let those questions cause me to quit. I let those questions lead me to a journey of really digging deep. Because sometimes people have questions and they just quit, but mm-hmm. they don't use that as fuel to dig deep and figure out why I believe what I believe and then you'll you'll meet somebody or connect with somebody that says man I have that same question too and you're like man I understand this is what I've discovered as I've been questioning look at this now I'm I'm not saying that I've arrived at my understanding but let me show you what I've learned on my journey and then you just pan it forward and that's kind of yeah. what Jude 3 is so what what in that experience what do you believe gave you the boldness to, uh, to the boldness to to question, if you will? Was it what what allowed what it gave you kind of the freedom to say, you know what, God, I am going to 
commit myself to you and still accept the fact that who I am and where I am, I have questions. Um, would, would you accredit that to your foundation? Because I think that, you know, one thing that people that get into these spaces of having questions about their faith or the faith that, you know, a, a lot of people will say, well, you're a Christian because, you know, your mama was a Christian. And so you don't really know nothing. You just know what your mama told you. And I, I believe that some of that can be true. But what is it that allowed you to say, you know what? I I believe in I believe in my faith and I believe in God and I believe in Christ but I still have the freedom to ask questions in a sense where in in a, in a in a time and a space and a reality where you really haven't been able to ask those questions before where did that boldness come from you think I god I guess uh, <laughs> it's funny because it's like I had no other choice it came from a place of desperation like mm-hmm. Man, I'm either about to quit on you or I'm about to look for answers. And something grows up in me like, go get the answers. Hmm. And it wasn't anybody saying anything to me um, before. Um, there were some critical moments, I could say, when I did go to seminary um, and when I went to Liberty. I remember because I was like, man, now I'm in seminary. Um I don't want to skip. I don't know if you want to skip that ahead to that part of the story yet. But um, I had some conversations with my professors that kind of gave me the freedom to question a little bit more freedom to question. Um, would you say that um, would you say that 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 your your ability to question or, you know, that kind of naturalness in you, the, the natural person in you, the questions that you have, would you say that ultimately at this point of where you are in life, there is a degree of power that's in, in, in you questioning? Um, I would say if this is real, it could be it could be tested. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And so I'm like, God, if you're real, I should be able to put you to the test. If you're not, um, you're bogus. Like, yeah. And I think that takes courage to get to the point because at the end of the day, I think questioning scares who you are at the core. Yeah, absolutely. And it's scary to question something you believe your whole life. Mm-hmm. It's scary to really think it's false, but to live like it's true because you're scared. Yeah. Um, If that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. It shakes you. It it makes you question. And one of the things uh, in us being, and there's the reason I asked you to question because what I'm, what I want to get at is allowing, helping in a sense, or getting people to understand. I understand from our conversations, but I want people to see the boldness that you have now, and where did that really derive from? Um, in your experience, um, I believe that your experience, your, I, I think it's, it was, it's very clear seeing it in hindsight or being on the outside and looking at your life. Your foundation gave you a, a solid sense of what everything was. Mm-hmm. And as you got, as you move forward, you kind of got uh, exposed to a lot all at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it kind of was just like thrown in you. And so 
again, it's it's like if I were to push you out in a crowd of people and tell you to find the, you know, the gas station and you don't know where to go, you're kind of shuffle. It's so much stuff happening. You're taking it all in. And then you get to this place where you are so broken and so unsure and and you kind of say that I am going to this is what I believe in because this is what has sustained me to this point but what I'm going to do is I'm going to question when those questions arise and that's that's something that not a lot of people have the boldness to do and not a lot of people understand that there can be power in that process and I believe that we're, as we look at you and we're looking at as we learn more about your story and your journey, we're figuring that out. Um, and I figured that out. But I, I, I want to I kind of want people to, to hear this and to know that your that that part of you that kind of seems like a little I don't want to want to even want to say defiant or rebellious. But if you look at don't ask questions and you ask those questions, but you ask those questions from understanding and attaching those questions to your faith, that is what really gives the power for you to connect to people that are atheists or people that say, hey, you know, once upon a time I believed and I no longer believe. You've gone through that journey, but the end result for you has been a lot different because of the boldness that you have to stand in your faith and still question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I, I want to... We, you mentioned you getting to seminaries to, to seminary school um, and being able to your your professors allowing you to ask those questions. What uh, or affirming you in asking those questions? How did you get to seminary school? What made you say that you know I, I'm I'm going to go and I'm going to pursue seminary school? Um, it was something I wanted to do after um, I graduated from undergrad, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, in the by the Lord's grace, I'm so thankful. I, I told somebody this the other day. I'm so thankful that God allowed me to have that uh, three year gap um, mm-hmm. between undergrad and seminary because truly, it, I, after undergrad, I was very because I was getting so inf- so much information. I was very arrogant, and um, I still can sometimes be arrogant so I want to say it is a struggle um I was because the bible said pride puffs up so I thought I had this information and I was like you know and I'm in all these super spiritual churches they don't got nothing they don't know enough you know what I'm saying I need mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying I need to help them and um so I went through a process of time I something the the person that I was seeing it was a really crazy situation and we stopped talking and that sent me through a process where I had to process the head knowledge to get to my heart. Um, just because you know, it doesn't mean it penetrate your penet- has penetrated your heart. Like mm-hmm. we like things in theories, like God is, God is big. God is awesome. God is good. Well, what does, what does God being good look like when your heart is broken? Right. Uh, and I had to really process these ideas about God into the how it looks to really filter through my life. Um, and so it was a process where God took all that information he was downloading in me and breaking me down. And there became a sensitivity to even people who I was like, man, y'all don't know enough. 
Like the people that I said y'all didn't know enough were the same people. Some some of those people um, that were in those churches were some of the same people that prayed me through difficult times. Mm. So I realized that we all have a part to play in the body. God has called some to be teachers, some to be a preacher, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists. We all have a part to play. And sometimes we miss that just because I don't agree with you or just because you may be off in the area. Maybe God has put me in your life to sharpen you in this area. But then I might need you to help me. You know, in my intimacy with God and knowing how to pray with 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 fervor, you know, to to be to understand what intimacy with God looks in prayer. You know, you're good. You you know how to connect to God in prayer. I know how to interpret the scriptures correctly. So you I bring this to you. I help you study. You help me pray. And those were the things I learned through that gap. And then, so my dad told me he wanted me to teach an apologetics course um, at the church. And um, I did it. And um, I did the course. And at the end of the course, uh, a church mother came up to me. And she was like, "Um, this is, you're really good at this. And I was like, thanks. She said, you should go back to school. And I was like, I want to. But, you know, it's not, I'm not really. I was working as a banker. Um, mm-hmm. at Bank of America and I'm like I'm content doing this thing um, I'm content you know doing that and in and, and the interim though we used to we used to uh, another part of my experience was me and my my former business partner we used to go to the club at night in, in Jacksonville to plush in the parking lot at 11pm and we would share the gospel to 2 in the morning uh, to people and pray for people, pray with people as they were leaving the club. And uh, that was an interesting experience. We got all kinds of questions. I, I wouldn't advise I wouldn't advise anybody to do it. We were very radical. Because um, <laughs> having the people drunk, they don't know what you're saying to them. Um, <laughs> but it sounded like a good idea. But so all of those experiences are shaping me. Um, we had a group of people that we would recruit and we would just go out there like six to 10 deep and just share God, share the gospel and those experiences. And so I'm teaching the apologetics course. That's like a year, uh, two years after that teaching the apologetics course. She says, you're good at this. And, um, I need to go to school. So I'm in church the following Sunday and God is really dealing with me about, you know, it's time for you to it's time for you to do this. And I'm like, okay, so I go to work. We have some downtime. I'm Googling seminaries. I'm like, well, I'm probably going to go online, but I'm, I know me. I'm not really good with online learning. Uh, <laughs> I, I need classroom. And so, um, the only school that had enrollment, like this was like July, the only school that was still enrolling that I could see was Liberty. And I was like, it's in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's a big school. Um, even though it's in Lynchburg, uh, just the first part is kind of scary. Uh, but <laughs> I just felt some, I just felt like, okay, go apply. Like I didn't even really tell anybody what I was doing, like mm-hmm. friends or family. I was just like having these, you know, I was, cause I, I didn't want people to talk me out of it. You know yeah. how, when you have something and you like, you feel like you need to go ahead and do it. And so I applied, I got in. 
and then I was I was after I applied I was like yeah I applied to a seminary and I talked to my mentor at the time and some other people my my parents and friends and they were like oh, okay uh, this is coming out of nowhere I literally quit my job moved to Lynchburg Virginia I didn't know a person I applied in I think it was yeah it was it was July I had to be there in August. Now, I applied in June. I had to be there in August. I literally quit my job and moved to Lynchburg, Virginia to do seminary full time and enrolled in five courses. And the I don't even know. Now that I look back, I was like, how did you even do that? Like, why did how did you make that jump? Like, you go. I've never I had never left Jacksonville. I'd always um even I did undergrad, even though I stayed on campus my first year, I uh, I was still in Jacksonville. I was always close to home. So me to move from Florida to Virginia in the mountains to, to go to seminary, it's crazy. Just up and go. No friends, no family there. Just got up and went. Um, that's, that's how I got to seminary. Wow. So <laughs> that's, that jump is the jump to just jump to Lynchburg, Virginia seems, you know, that was God. You, I mean, I think we can safely say that God had to be all up and through that because just the name Lynchburg in itself sounds a little dangerous. It sounds like deserted. And so that is. <laughs> That's interesting. So with all of this, uh, we've gotten to the point of, of, of being you being in seminary and how you got to seminary. Where where did Jude 3 come from? At what moment was Jude 3 birth? Jude 3 was birthed um, when I figured out how to do web design, honestly. <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's so crazy. You can ask my roommate. Um, so I told, I knew God before I went to seminary, I talked to a pastor and I was like, man, it'd be really good if we had a website, um, where it's like based on Jude one and three, I was like, you should do it. Like you should do this. Like I would totally support you. I was talking to one of the leading pastors in the, in, in Jacksonville. I was like, you should do this. Cause you have a passion for apologetics. Mm-hmm. You should create a website. I like detail everything. I was like, I have some people in place in mind that love apologetics. We can write articles. We could do videos. And it could be for African Americans because I love apologetics, but there's really no African Americans doing it. So I think you should do it. He never responded to my email, which is weird because he always does. Um, <laughs> and so I need to ask him because I just saw him. Why he didn't respond to that email, but I guess it's God's providence now. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, so I was like, you know, so God was dealing with me through seminary. I said, you know, I'm going to school to be an apologist for specifically for to equip the African-American community. I've just always felt that anybody who knows me knows in that interim, I've always just wanted our community to be equipped. I want our community to be exposed to all the other things other denominations were used to be exposed to because honestly we I don't think we had the same questions because of the way the the history of our people was set up mm-hmm. like we may have had those questions in the back of our mind but because we've dealt with so much oppression you know it doesn't give you the time to think about those things 
or when the freedom yeah, yeah the, the freedom to know that you can mm-hmm. so when you're in a in between a rock and a hard place and constant you you just kind of you like god i need to cling to something i don't even need to figure out where all the other intricate details but we're getting to a place as a people and we're our generation is much more educated than than our than our forefathers where we have the liberty and the freedom to ask these kinds of questions right and um so i was like there needs to be something in place for someone that looks like us because you know sometimes the one of the barriers for us receiving information from people is that they don't look like us and that's just the honest to God truth. And, uh, and you know, whether we want to admit it or not, I'm all for racial reconciliation. But it's, some, it's sometimes we have to recognize people want to hear information from people that look like them because there's distrust in between um, races. You have to you have to, you know, I, before I get you to to receive another another race sometimes just let, let me hear the information from somebody that looks like me first for shared experiences I, I i think what you're saying is 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 right on point and not so much just because of the distrust but just from a, a basis of understanding of shared experiences as a woman you're going to have certain experiences that i'm as a man that me as a man won't have um mm-hmm. and vice versa so if you were coming in to talk to a woman about you know women's studies they're going to receive it <laughs> completely different than mm-hmm. if I do it because there's a baseline of understanding of those shared experiences. So I, what, what you're saying is, is, is spot on um, with, with those, with those shared experiences, what do you think, what does Jude three fit in? What role does Jude three play in reconciling or, or equipping the black community? Um, I think our issues are similar in some regard to our white evangelical brothers and sisters or, you know, any any other race. In essence, we're all human, so we all essentially have some of the same questions. But in our communities look different. So there's questions that there's cultural cues that need to be used in, in giving out this information. Um, there's, uh, illustrations that need to be used that are relevant. There's questions that we're, that we may be asking. Like one of the questions that come up a lot is the Bible, a white man's religion. I mean, is it, you know, those are some questions that I don't think it'll, it would, it's going to be hard for a white man to tell me. No, this isn't a white man's religion. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, right. it's difficult. Um, that the different, um, you know, people say, well, we need to, we need to defend the faith against Mormons or these other sects or these other cults. But that's not really when you go to the 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 herb the African American communities, you don't see a lot of black Mormons really. I uh, well, I can't. I can only speak from my experience. I've never seen a lot of black Mormons, but you do see people that um, embrace the 5% movement or Yahweh or the nation of Islam or the nation of gods and earths. Those are things that because it's not prevalent in white communities that it's overlooked in addressing and how do we deal with this or how, what is the distinction between the two or how do we wrestle with these things? And I think that's where Jude 3 comes in because it's like looking at at the African-American community and seeing what our needs are. 
what are questions that we're asking and dealing with those questions um, and finding other people that are black and brown scholars to help us navigate. Because a lot of times in our there was just an article about it, even in seminaries or in, in institutions of higher learning where African-American scholars are overlooked. So Jude 3 is a place where African-American scholars will be a place where they could shine. You know what I'm saying? And right. um, be able to help equip our people. And so I think that's kind of where Jude 3 is 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 a distinct is is distinct in in what we do. In Jude 3, are we addressing is there anything about in, in the formation and the existence of Jude 3? Is there anything that's being that Jude 3 is addressing about your 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 story and your journey? Specific things like so are are you looking to um and I say this knowing the answer um but I, I want you to elaborate on it um for people that have those questions and and about the validity of the bible or you know or even the validity of of Jesus Christ himself in what way two parts is Jude 3 addressing those types of situations um one and then two in what way are you going to address those types of questions or, or people that are in those situations? Um, one of the ways that I want to address those is through blogs and we do, do the podcast, which you thank you for listening and tuning in to all our listeners, uh, <laughs> listening to now and asking those questions. Um, and we, we are looking to do more. Actually, we are really trying to, um, I was talking to some of our team members about doing a HBCU tour um, where we kind of go around to all the HBCUs and tackle these questions. Because when you look at um, so many of apologetics organizations, they go around to your Princeton's, they go around to your, you know, UCLA's, your Penn State's and all these institutions of higher learning, but our HBCs are being overlooked and they have the same questions. And so, um, Doing those tours, um, having podcasts, having scholars on, and then um, some, we're going to be doing some other things culturally uh, with like BuzzFeed type videos um, that we're working on um, to ask questions um, and to allow people to wrestle. Because one of the things that my professor told me the seminary one of the things one of the crazy things i went to seminary thinking i was going to get all the answers and i okay. left seminary with more questions than answers and uh, my professor <laughs> i know it's like what is, what is this degree for <laughs> I paid you to ask more questions. and so my professor dr leo purser i love dr purser um i spent so many hours talking to him and my other professors about questions I had. And one, one of the days I was in seminary and I'm, I'm in seminary. I'm, le- I'm a, I'm a church leader. Uh, and I'm like, Dr. Purser, the stuff we going over right now, is there, I'm like, is there a God? And one of the things that I wrestled with a lot in seminary was the problem of evil yeah. and trying to reconcile a good, all knowing, powerful, um, loving God being able to stop evil but still allowing it because my thought is if you love me if you have the ability to why don't you do 
And when I would hear people's stories of trauma, traumatic events, um, stories of rape, stories of deep, intense pain from innocent, especially, especially children. Yeah. It always is like, God, but you know, I, cause you say you're, you're our father and a loving father. And a, if a look, I'm like, if my dad knew that something traumatic was about to happen and he was present, he wouldn't allow it. Right. And so I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out what, 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 you know, is God present? Is he really, what, is he, does he exist? And so I went to my professor and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. And he was like, I struggle time sometimes too. And I was like, it was only a few words, but it was so much freedom in what he said. Yeah. Because it's like, wow, you have your PhD. Um, <laughs> you, 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 you know, you've dedicated your life to just studying the new Testament, just one part of the book. <laughs> you, you just, the, the, you set just the new Testament. You've devoted your life to studying this and you still have questions and you, t- and you're, and I believe you're a solid man that loves God, loves your family. Um, you know, and, and you're like, it's okay. And he didn't tell me, he didn't even help me with my question. He just told me it was okay. I mean, he recommended some books that I could read, but reading the books wasn't as helpful as him telling me it was okay to struggle. And, um, so said all that to say, I just want people to understand as they're wrestling with this stuff, honesty is where you get healing. The more I'm honest with God and the more I say, God, I don't understand. I don't know what you're doing here. This doesn't make sense. I know your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than mine. And when we get to heaven, I might have to sit down with you and try to, you know, we could probably chop it out and say, you know, why you didn't do it? Because in my mind, this is what I would do. I know I'm not you, but I'm just saying this is what I would do and how I think things should go. And it's a humbling experience because you're like, you're ever learning. But it seems like the more I question, the the stronger my faith gets. Yeah. And um, it's so weird because you would think the more you question, the weaker your faith gets. But the more I question, the stronger my faith gets. And the things that I used to wrestle with or used to break me down are now places of strength for me. And now if I know now that that's a place of strength, then what I'm struggling with now presently at some point will be a place of strength. Um but I just have to keep going. And, and a book I would recommend too is um, Loving God with Your Mind by by J.P. Moreland. And he is a scholar. He's, he's I mean, I think he's almost 70, pushing 70. And um, in his book, Loving God with Your Mind, he said that um, when he was talking about uh, being honest as a scholar and having integrity, he was like, you know, he talks about... Uh, he talks about uh, the, the earth and how long... You know, it took God to make the earth. And he was like, you know, three days out of the week, I believe it was a literal six days. Uh, But four four days out of the week, I believe that it was over a span of time. And he was just like, I just came to the conclusion that if I believe something, that means I'm over 51% that it's true. And (laughs) And I was like... That's a crazy way to look at it, but I just I, I thought it was good because it helped it it helps me to have intellectual integrity. Right. I don't want you to think 
that okay i believe the bible is authoritative but if you don't i understand how you could get to that conclusion and i want to be honest with all the facts and honest with the fact that there's some things that we have to look at critically and i think it helps you deal with people and have a grace with people who believe differently than you because it's like even acknowledge man that people want to to know that their questions are valid they want to feel like you respect them enough to not say to blow them off and say oh you don't believe the bible that's stupid you know that arrogance like how dare you no let's look at what and and realize that they have some valid points and say you know what man i wrestle with that sometimes too this is why i landed with it but i think people respect you more when you have intellectual integrity and not try to and not throw then not go the other way and say well because sometimes we say well if we tell them i believe it 100 percent, then uh if we don't then they're gonna think it's va- they're gonna not respect my faith no it's the other way around when you don't have intellectual integrity people don't trust you yeah because they're looking at the facts it's google is real folks people can google <laughs> so you know don't be so dogmatic if you haven't researched and I think the more you research, the more grace you'll have for people who believe differently than you. Amazing. I think I, I, I'm so I don't know how you feel about this talk, but I feel like this talk is, again, it it, it does exactly what I, we wanted it to do. And I think that the the over the overarching theme here and that I hope that people got from hearing your story and hearing your journey and hearing what you're doing and what you hope to do. Um, what you're looking to do with Jude 3 um, is a certain level of transparency, right? I feel like if we look at how your story has played out, that is, it's a story that is, is very common for a lot of people, right? We, we are brought into, we are born and raised and we believe this one way and then we get out into the world and the world becomes so real and we have all these things that are, you know, coming at us and we're trying to like, understand it and filter it out and make it make sense and then ultimately sometimes people don't always land on this place of being strong and 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 believing wholeheartedly even more so in in their faith or believing more so in christ and understanding uh those truths and i think that comes as a result of not being able to stand up boldly and profess that I have questions and I, I believe this and sometimes I'm going to have questions and sometimes I'm like not going to understand. You talked about, you know, getting to seminary school and coming out with way more questions than you had when you came <laughs> in. Um, and again, I, one of the things that I've, I've shared with you personally is that I admire your boldness in asking questions. I admire the fact that you would allow other people and even myself to ask those questions and to kind of wrestle with things. And I think that that is something that is going to be truly what's going to free a lot of people, heal a lot of people, and ultimately bring a lot of people to Christ because we understand, just like your professor did with you, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to, it's okay to ask these questions. And here you are with a community of people that have similar questions or may even have the same questions. And here's how they reconcile and how they deal with it. So I, if it, I think the people have a great understanding from our talk of what Jew 3 is, 
who you are. And I, I, I hope that we can continue this this discussion about some more specific areas um, that Jude 3 can tackle. I think there are a lot of intricacies and details that happen within the church and particularly within the black church that are very unique to our experience in the black church. <laughs> a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot of things that um, we, we, we experience and some things can be really great and some things can be traumatic. And I think those traumatic things are the things that we, we should further talk about. And I hope that um, we're able to come back. And if you are listening and you have questions specifically, uh, send them in to send them in to the Jude three pro- uh, project and let us let the Jude three project know, you know, what questions you have. What did you think about the interview? What do you believe is, is something that, the the Jude project should address or could address within the black church to move the entire body of Christ forward. So Lisa, you are amazing, incredible. Cheers to you. This is the takeover y'all. I'm going to get out of here. We're going to get out of here and we will definitely be back with more of a takeover. I'm going to be popping in every once in a while. It might be me. It might be somebody else popping in for this takeover, but all with the goal of you understanding the heart of Jude three and knowing more of what this movement is about and what's happening and what's going on and really being able to get your questions answered and really able to be comfortable in all of this information we have. Lisa said Google is real. Google is absolutely real. So if you type stuff into Google, you have a million and ten questions and you might take it to your past and your past be like, look, that's Google. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, and the two three project is definitely saying that's Google. It's on the internet. It's in your mind. Let's talk about it. Let's wrestle with it and let's really get to this place where we understand who you are, who Christ is, and we can move forward. So hey, we out of here. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jude 3 Project Podcast. You can catch all our past episodes at www.jude3project.com backslash podcast. You can follow us on iTunes by searching Jude 3 Project. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Jude 3 Project, on Instagram at Jude 3 Project, and on Facebook at facebook.com. Um, backslash Jude 3 project and remember you can donate on our site so if this um, this podcast and this ministry is a blessing to you help support us financially um, by going on our website at jude3project.com and hitting the donate tab um, and donating consider donating to us thank you so much remember at the Jude 3 project we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it